So a couple of weeks back, I said something interesting. I wonder, I don't know if you've heard it and, and um, see if you noted it. Um, I did get one comment about it, um, one question about it. I said that Israel is fighting the most just war of all time. Remember what, did anyone remember when I said that? Yeah, you remember that? Now, maybe I was being slightly hyperbolic. Turns out I'm not a, not a professor of, of military history. I don't know about every battle that's been fought. But because somebody asked me a question about this, I'd like to explain myself a little bit. And in a deeper context, I think there's a glaring question we as Jews have to face. And we as strong Zionists and supporters of Israel need to face. How do we feel about the Palestinians? Right? We know that around, well, if you trust Hamas's census, which I don't necessarily trust, but leave it a thousand or over a thousand, about 15,000 Palestinian um, civilians have been killed in this war. And, you know, I have to say, Rabbi Rachel and I are devastated about that. It, it, it should never happen we should, that, that, that so many citizens should have to die. And it's absolutely horrible what's happening. But we have to explain ourselves as Jews. We have to understand what I still mean and why I still stand behind that this might be the most just war of all time. Because as supporters of Israel and strong Zionists, it really doesn't behoove us to put our heads in the sand. We must be able to look at the situation as it stands right now and be able to stand behind it and support Israel. And in order to do that, we must be honest and we must look at the situation as it sees. And today, I really want to learn about this situation from the context of the main character of our Torah story that we read about today, which is Yehuda, Judah. You know, these next three parts we're going to read, Vayishev, Miketz, Vayigash, are all... The whole thing almost is a story about Joseph, the epic story of Joseph and his technicolor dream coat and everything like that. But the Torah randomly takes a chapter break from that story to tell a peculiar story about Yehuda. And since we're reading the Triennial Torah reading, and we're on the second of the Triennial Torah reading, all we read about was Yehuda today. If you were reading the Torah portion, you read nothing about Joseph because we only read this strange tale, this strange interlude. Now, I didn't explain what the story was about. Um, because, well, it's not necessarily appropriate for children um, if you are reading along with the story. Um, and it's not a story I think I would say we focus on, but I, say, I would say it's the exact story that we need at this exact moment in time. You see, Yehuda, before, right before this story happens, was the selling of Joseph into slavery. Now, how did this happen? Why did this happen? We didn't read about it in the, in the, in the Torah this week, but it's, it's right before the story that we read about today. And I think it, it's linked to it in some ways. You see, the, 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 the brothers of Joseph were so angry at Joseph for his egotism, and, well, they were teenagers. They were really angry at each other, and they meant to do Joseph extreme harm. They meant to take the opportunity to actually kill their brother. And we see that Reuven... The first brother first tries to save Joseph, but because he really wants to save Joseph completely, he actually gets distracted midway. 
And he's not present at the exact moment he needs to to save Joseph's life. And we see that Ruvain actually is an ineffective leader for saving Joseph's life. But then Yehuda steps forward. And as his brothers are getting ready to kill Joseph, what happens with Yehuda is he steps in and he says, don't shed the blood of my brother. Let's sell him into slavery instead. Now, he saves Joseph's life this way. His brothers agree, and because of that, Joseph's life is saved. And the rest of the story can go on. It could have ended right there, but because of Yehuda's action, he actually pragmatically and realistically saved Joseph's life in the only way that he could, with a very clever solution. But inside of us, there should be a part of us that says, Joseph, I mean, Yehuda, why couldn't you say at that point, don't shed my brother's blood, let's save him, let's bring him back to our father Jacob. What are you doing? You, want, you sort of want Yehuda to stand up and say, God forbid this happened, but he doesn't. Rather, instead, instead of the perfect solution or the perfect ideal solution, he gives the pragmatic solution, the solution that actually might work, the solution that in the real world might actually save Joseph's life. And guess what it did? I want to argue today that that, my friends, is what leadership is actually about. Leadership is not about making the perfect decision. It's not about making the ideal decision for an ideal world. It's making a decision that's going to work, that's going to accomplish the task that needs to be accomplished. Not in all of its beauty, not in this perfect way, but in a way that's actually going to work. We see that same behavior again with the story we read today, which I couldn't, of course, talk about. But Yehuda then goes on, um, and I'm going to skip the beginning of the story, but ends up seeking the needs of a prostitute, okay? <laughs> Our tour is not G-rated. Um, so seeking the needs of a prostitute, um, Tamar, who was originally um, given as wife to one of his sons, um, is without child, and then dresses up as a prostitute to try to tempt Yehuda into sleeping with him. And you sort of expect Yehuda to be like Yosef, right? Remember, just in the next chapter, we see Yosef dealing with the temptations of Potiphar. And he's like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get tempted in. He's like this hero of perfect righteousness. But Yehuda's not. Yehuda's not at all. And if you don't think those two stories are talking to each other, you know, of course they're talking to each other. Yehuda does fall to the temptations of the prostitute. Yehuda is imperfect. Yehuda's, you know, in some ways, he's Joe Schmo, right? He does. He falls to the temptations of the prostitute. And what's worse is that when Tamar finally comes forward and when Yehuda hears that there's a prostitute in town that's been, that he feel, finds, he hears that his daughter-in-law is whoring herself out, again, words of the Torah, um, uh, what does he do? He asks for her to be burned alive, right? Which is horrible, which is terrible. But there's this incredible thing that happens after that. Tamar, then having his cord in his robe, his identifying features, he says he actually wants to rescue Tamar. He then immediately changes his position and he says, no, I'm going to own up to this mistake. It was me. It was my problem. I have to be self-reflective, and I have to be different. And again, Tamar is innocent, 
and she shouldn't be burned. Now, he could have easily said at that point, I'm embarrassed. I'm a leader in the town. I don't want anyone finding out that I slept with a prostitute, nonetheless, my daughter-in-law. And he could have said, let her be burnt at the stake. Then no one will ever find out about my cord or my robe or anything. No one will ever find out about this. But no. Yehuda was able to turn around and say, let me be self-reflective for a second. Let me be pragmatic for a second. Let me look at actually what's the best solution at this moment. And that best solution, even though it's hurtful to me and hard for me, is I'm going to own up. I'm going to own up and I'm going to save Tamar's life. And because of that, Yehuda is able to have children. Tamar is able to have children. And again, the children of Yehuda and Tamar, who do they end up being? Us, quite literally. First King David, and eventually those are going to be the parents of the Mashiach, of the Messiah. Not Yosef, not the perfect person, but the pragmatic person. The person who is not perfect, and not everything is absolutely perfect, but in the end who chooses the pragmatic right decision for the people in front of him, for his family. Right? That's what we see over and over again. <sighs> Yehuda is a very important character because Yehuda ends up actually, Yehuda and his children, are, we're told in the Torah, will forever be the leaders of the Jewish people. You kind of expect maybe Yosef or maybe Moses' children will be the leaders of the people forever, but no, it's the children of Yehuda. And that's not the family of Moses and that's not the family of Yosef. That's the family of Yehuda. It says that the, the, the Talmud says the, 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 the staff will never depart from Yehuda. And the question is why? I think the real reason is that Yosef is the perfect leader. Yosef's the leader who's never tempted by anything, who could stay away from sin, and who wants to make the perfect, ideal situation. He literally lives with his head up in the clouds as a dreamer. But Yehuda has his head on the ground. Yehuda is not looking to live the perfect life. Yehuda is looking to live a good life, a life in which that works for his family and the people around him, an effective life, a pragmatic life, to do the best with what he has, not to be some perfect ideal person up in the world, uh, in some imaginary reality, but to be the person that's needed at the moment that he finds himself in. And that's what I love about Yehuda, and that's what I've loved about Jewish leaders throughout time. King David wasn't a perfect person. You look at him, what he did with Bathsheba was awful. But... In the end, King David made the right decisions for the nation and for the people. And under King David, we had the largest kingdom land that we've ever had under the history of man. We've been the most secure that we ever were. And eventually our Mashiach will also be that. Our Messiah will also be that. Not someone who's absolutely perfect with everything, but someone who in the end is self-reflective and makes the right decision for the right moment. The pragmatic solution that helps the most amount of our people. And that brings me back to Israel. Is this the exact solution that I would have wanted in my dream ideal world? That Israel and the IDF go into Gaza and go from house to house trying to get every terrorist. And on the way having 15,000 civilians die. Is that ideal? God forbid. Never. It's horrible. It's an awful thing that happens. And we should try in every way to mitigate those losses of civilians, which I believe the IDF is doing with every, every ounce. I believe the IDF is actually showing the world how to do this. Okay? 
But they need to do this. And if there was a better solution where the IDF can do this and Israel can survive without having to do this operation, without eradicating Hamas, I would be all for it. But there isn't. This is the solution that's needed at the time. Hamas needs to be eradicated or there's no future for the state of Israel. And we all know that in our gut. And that's why the IDF is going in and fighting this war. It's not a perfect war. It's not a beautiful war. There's nothing beautiful about it. It's hard. It's disgusting. It's horrible. I would never choose it. And by the way, Bibi didn't want to choose it, and neither did any of the government for, for almost a decade now. They did not want to send troops into, into Gaza because specifically this, because of the civilian casualties and, of course, the loss of the IDF soldiers. But this is the fearless decision that needs to be made at this time. Is it the perfect solution? No. But too often our society is obsessed with perfect ideal solutions and not solutions that work. Why do you think the Republicans and Democrats can't pass a budget? Okay? They're looking for the perfect solution. Not a compromise, not a way forward, not a way that's going to actually work for our country. Why do you think we have a problem on the border with immigration? It's because two sides won't talk to each other and create a pragmatic solution that works for the most amount of people. Instead, each person, each party is so stuck in their orthodoxies that they're unwilling to create an ideal, a, a pragmatic solution for our world today, for the world that we've inherited for better or worse. Okay? And so too Israel is being like the leaders of yesteryear, the leaders like Judah and King David before him, who made the hard decisions not the perfect decisions, not the decisions they wanted to be making. They didn't live in the world that they wanted to live in, but they made the correct decisions for what was in front of them at this moment. They were able to be self-reflective. They were able to analyze the decision and fearlessly move forward with the decision they take, even if it was going to hurt them, and even if it was going to hurt and be hard and be unpopular. They chose that decision because it was right for the Jewish people. And I think for that reason, as Jews, we need to stand behind Israel for the exact same reason. I think if we hide and we say, ah, Palestinians deserve this, you know, each and every one gone, we lose our very humanity. We lose everything that we are as Jews in this world. If we ignore the Palestinians, say, ah, let's not talk about them, let's forget about them. That's wrong. We're, we're going to be discredited by anybody we ever talk to. It just shows, and it's just showing to the world that we don't care about people. But if we're honest, and we say it's absolutely horrible what's happening to the Palestinians, it's absolutely devastating what's happening to the Palestinians, I wish Israel had a better solution. I wish there was a better way forward. That's a way to talk. But to tell our neighbors, and to stand strong behind Israel saying, that they're doing what they need to be doing right now is actually the best way our society needs to be moved forward. I wish there was more of that in Congress. I wish there was more of us with our neighbors and the way we talk to each other, that we focus on pragmatic solutions, not perfect solutions, but pragmatic solutions that work. Shabbat shalom, everybody.